We're going to talk about this concept of being under pressure. Um, and before we jump into Matthew chapter 14, um, can I get a volunteer to help me with something? Wow. No one here trusts me. Awesome. Any volunteer? No, wife, you don't count. Uh, I want a, a Dawsonite. I want an mlc -er. Can I get one volunteer, please? Yes, sir. Come up here, sir. I appreciate you. Yes, y'all give him a hand. Take your time. It's not... Oh, okay. No, he had his pen ready to take notes. Well, don't worry. We'll, we'll send you back in a second. What's your name, sir? John. John, you having a good day so far? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, John. I love it. All right, well, we'll make this quick, but, but simple. So, John, um, for the, the sake of this illustration, this cup represents uh, me or, or you or us. This cup represents uh, people. Uh, so when you look at this cup, think of yourself. Got it? Okay. You guys. Now, John here represents pressure or trials or problems. Right? Anybody got a John in your life? John, is your wife here? Yes. She's like, I got a John. Uh, <laughs> no, right? So John represents the pressure in our lives, the trials, the, the problems that come along in our life. Now, John, here's what I need you to do. Um, will you just kind of like take hold? Uh, will you take hold of my uh, arm here? There you go. Now, if we're all honest, what we... You got a good grip, man. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's not a blood pressure test. that just say grab my arm. Uh, so... If we're all honest, what we know is in our lives, like, it's inevitable that at some point in time, some Johns are going to happen, right? Some trials, some pressure, some tribulations. And what happens, the Bible actually describes it as like we're, we're, we're shaken up by life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been a little shaken before? So, John, will you do me a favor and just shake up our lives a little bit? All right, come on. Give, give me a shake. Oh, chill. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Now, John, I have a question for you. As you shook up my life, this cup... What came out of this cup? Water and waves. What? Yeah, waves that made, yeah, water and waves. Now, how did you know it was water that came out of the cup? Because I can see it. It's right in front of me. Right? Yeah. That's the whole sermon. If you have to leave early, if you have to, you can let go of my arm now. Uh, if you have to leave early, the point is, when John's come into our lives, when trials, temptations, problems, issue, pressure comes into our lives and shakes us up, we know what's going to come out because like John said, he sees what went in. What comes out is always what we put in. Y'all give John a hand. Thank you. That's all I needed. Appreciate it, John. In Matthew chapter 14, we have one of the most, we got Halloween coming up, by the way, and so we're going to talk about a ghost story in the Bible. I thought it was fitting. Some of you are like, there's ghost stories in the Bible? Yes. You'll see in a second. Speaking of Halloween, another announcement brought to you by MLC Dawson. No, um, seriously, though, this is an important one. Um, Halloween, we got these invites for you on your way out, like packs of them, grab them, and instead of candy, give these to kids, and they'll love church. I'm just kidding. With candy... <laughs> Put an invite in the bag with a lot of great candy, but don't, don't put bad candy in an invite in the bag, please. Don't put like healthy stuff in there in an invite. Bless them. Put like full Snickers bars in an invite, and they'll be like, I'm coming to that church. Um, but with Halloween coming up, I thought we would talk about a ghost story in Matthew chapter 14. And Matthew chapter 14 deals with this exact topic of pressure or trials or, or when life shakes us up. And in Matthew chapter 14, there's two groups of people that respond two very different ways. And what we want to look at is what these two different groups of people were intaking that made what came out of their lives when the pressure came and when they got shaken up. One responded with fear and one responded with faith. 
And so we're just going to jump right in. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 22. If you're there, say, yeah. I like it. Some of you said it like you're from the South. Yeah. All right. Verse 22. It said, immediately he. Who's he? Yeah. If you don't know the answer in church, just say Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> immediately Jesus made the disciples go into the boat and go before him to the other side. Pause just to give some context, because when you read scripture, it can be confusing without context. This is after a long day of preaching and teaching. So Jesus has uh, the disciples up on a mountain, a big crowd gathers, and then he teaches all day. And at the end of the day, many of you, if you grew up in church and you speak Christianese, you know this story. It said there was 5,000 people that he fed with a little boy's lunch, loaves and fishes. 5,000 people, by the way, it says 5,000 men. It was actually more like 15 to 20,000 people if you count women and children. And here, you know, it's after a long day of teaching, the disciples come up to Jesus and they're like, hey, there's a problem. Jesus is like, what's the problem? He's like, everybody's hungry. And he's like, cool, solve it. Great pastoring. That is phenomenal pastoring right there. And I, I, I mean that. Like next time you come up to Pastor Brian and you're like, hey, Pastor Brian, there's a problem at MLC Dawson. We need more parking. Pastor Brian's Jesus response should be like, great, go solve it. <laughs> and then you should be like, oh, yeah, you're right. If I'm a good disciple follower of Jesus, I shouldn't bring problems. I should be the solution. Can I get amen? Again, Brian, you're welcome. All right. <laughs> Free pastor plugs. So they come to Jesus, and like, there's a problem. He's like, be the solution. Go feed them. They show up with a Lunchable. Jesus is like, oh. And then he multiplies the Lunchable, and then they all get fed. And it's been a long day teaching in the Middle Eastern sun, serving until nightfall. And then he pushes them out in the boat, and he says, I'll catch up with you all guys later. Verse 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Side note there, when you read Scripture, just stop and go, what? Um. Jesus would pray. I don't know about you, but that's really convicting for me. Like, I'm a pastor, and there's days I forget to pray. I was just, some of you are like, really? Yes, pastors are human too. But it's convicting. Like, if Jesus, God in the flesh, would take time to pray, we need to be praying. All right. That's free sermonette on the side. No charge. I went to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way away from land beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So kind of they're, they're going into the wind. This is kind of like insinuating there's a bit of a storm that they're in right now, and the wind's against them. And then it says, and in the fourth watch of the night, we don't use that terminology anymore, fourth watch of the night means almost morning, almost on, still pitch black outside, but in other words, they're exhausted at this point. The fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. Nobody? We're just gonna act like that's normal. That's how I know you guys grew up in church. You heard this story before. You're like, oh, yeah, Jesus walking on water. Imagine if you had never heard this story before and you just got invited here today and somebody stood on stage and we're like, yeah, there was a dude and he was teaching and there was a boat and the dude started walking on the sea. If you had never heard this before, you'd be like, what? Wait, run that back. What? I don't, that's not possible, right? That's not possible. And we, we're familiar with the story, so we just act like it's supposed to happen. That's not supposed to happen. Anyways, verse 26. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. Told you, ghost story, <laughs> right? Hey, of course they're terrified. Now, this is like pre-paranormal like paranormal activity or M. Night Shyamalan or like this is pre-horror films. Like they have no context for what is happening. Maybe a ghost story around a fire when they were kids. But all of a sudden, they're out in the boat, they're exhausted. And it's, if y'all have been like out in Lake Lanier or down on the Gulf in a storm in a small boat, like it's loud right? Like it's a loud experience and the wind's in their face. And all of a sudden they look and there's a dude surfing without a board. And they're like, what? And they're yelling. They're like, do you see that? And then Simon's like, yeah, I see that. And then Matt's like, what are you talking about? And they're just screaming at each other. And they're like, ah, and they get freaked out. 
Sorry, I love the Bible. It's really exciting. It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear, of course. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. (laughs) Verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, I read that. Again, we read that. We're like, oh, yeah, Peter is so spiritual. But, like, why? Of all the questions, like, I would be like, Jesus, if it is you, what's your mother's maiden name? Or, like, Jesus, if it's you, how many fingers am I holding up? Right? Like, of all things, like, Jesus, if it is you, command me to come to you. Like, command me to give me your word to come out here on the water. And I love it. He says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, and came to Jesus. Just normal to you guys again. Okay, cool. That's insane. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Nah, that seems harsh to me. What about the other 11 jokers in the boat? They didn't even have the faith to get out of the boat. Pete at least came. Anyways, Jesus don't play. Verse 33. And those in the boat worship him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Duh. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's an incredible story, right? But think about it. So many emotions in a short amount of time. So much pressure. So much shaking up. It, it, it had me thinking, like, like today, um, when, when I communicate with people, especially like my wife. Like, we communicate, and she loves to use emojis um, to convey emotion. Uh, it's anybody have like a millennial or a teen like she'll just be like she'll say something and without an emoji I'm always like how is she feeling I don't know is she happy is she sad it's just a lot and I got to thinking if I was a disciple here and I was like hey I'm trying to tell you what's happening like how would I text this and I was like how would I get this across like all this pressure all these emotions at once and so I asked the tech team to throw it together and suffice it to say like the disciples started the day, and they were just worried because they had to feed everybody, and it was a long day, so they were worried. Yes, worried. And then it was a long day, and they had to feed everybody, so they're obviously tired. Yeah, they're tired. And then they go out on the boat, and they face a storm, so there's, like, terror. They're a little bit afraid. Ah! And then it says they see something in the distance, and it looks like a dude, and so they're confused. And they're like, I know what it is. It's a ghost. And then they're afraid because they're ah, it's a ghost. And then one of them responds with courage. Pete's like, I got this. He's courageous. And then he steps out on the water and the disciples are filled with awe. They're like, whoa. And then he looks around at the wind and waves and he starts to doubt. And because he starts to doubt, he gets afraid. And because he's afraid, he starts to panic. And he's like, ah. And then Jesus reaches out and grabs him and he feels relief. Ah. And then Jesus says, you have a little faith. You doubt her. And he's ashamed. And then Jesus takes him to the boat, and he's humbled. And then he's filled with wonder along with the other disciples. And finally, they worship Jesus. Yay. All right. Lots of emotions. <laughs> Some of you millennials, you're like, I understood all of that. This is, I finally get the Bible. It's, you spoke my language. Yeah. <laughs> Just the Bible and emojis. That'd be funny. Suffice it to say, a lot of pressure, a lot of shaking up. And if you look at the disciples, 11 of them, what came out of them? Fear. Ah! But one of them, what came out of them? Peter said, okay, okay. If it's you, tell me to come to you. If it's you, Jesus, give me your word. 
And I'm going to throw something out there to you guys. It may sound a little strange at first. I don't think what Peter did was a miracle. I don't think what he did was a miracle. I don't think what he did was a miracle. Because what did he do? Peter just walked. Peter had been walking since he was a toddler. What Peter did was not a miracle. Where Peter did it made it a miracle. Why do I stop and delineate that for a second? Because many of us want to see God work miracles in our lives. Many of us want to be a part of God's miracles. And we're waiting on God to give us some miraculous ability so we can see God's miracles in our marriages, in our families, in our careers, in our church. But often in life, it's not some miraculous ability that God gives you to see the miraculous in your life. But rather, it is an ability that he has already gifted you with, but he's calling you to go somewhere different or special and bring that ability that you know to do into a new environment and there you will see the miraculous. Often, he's calling us to bring the abilities he has gifted each and every one of us with, the mundane, the everyday things that we think aren't special, as simple as walking. But if you will bring them to Jesus, if you will bring them to his house, if you'll bring them to Dawson, we want to see more miracles happen in Dawson, I guarantee it'll come from you just taking what you know how to do and doing it for the kingdom of God. One person, I appreciate you. (laughs) The rest of you are like, oh yeah, yeah. I know you wanted to. I know you felt it. But does that make sense? The miraculous isn't some big ability. It's just taking the ability you have to wherever God is calling you to go. But I want to throw out another premise. I don't think what Jesus or what Peter did was a miracle. I think where he did it made a miracle. But I don't think Peter walked on water. Some of you are like, what? We just read it. Said he did, right? Now, I don't don't think Peter walked on water. Why? Because what did Peter say? He responded in courage and he said, Jesus, if it is you, Tell me to come. If it is you, speak your word to me. If it is you, give me your word. I don't think Peter walked on the water. I think Peter walked on the word of Jesus. Because as soon as Jesus said, come, it didn't matter if it was water, quicksand, the floor is lava. It could have been anything. And as soon as Jesus said, come and gave Peter his word, he could walk on it. See, what made Peter respond in courage when the others responded in fear, what made Peter, what came out of him when he was shaken up and he felt pressure, what made it different was he had a desire for the intake of God's word. He knew the power of Jesus's word. And I would even just throw that out there to some of you today. Some of you are not sure what God is saying to you today. And he may just be saying that simple one word he said to Peter, come. Come to me. Come to my house. Come to where I'm calling you. But just come. But what happened to Peter? Peter stood on the word of Jesus, stepped out of the boat. Now, if I'm one of the other disciples, I'm like, I got to get in on this. Woo! You know, like, I'm, if it's working for him, it's going to work for me. But they all stayed back there, still scared cats. And so Peter's walking, and what does it say happened? It said he lost focus on the word of Jesus. And it said he got caught up in the wind and the waves. He lost focus on the word and started concentrating on the world around him. He lost focus on the word of God and got caught up in the patterns and trends of the world around him. And when he lost focus on the word, it said he started to sink. He started to drown, started to gasp. God, Jesus, save me. I'm drowning. He started to drown. Any of you ever felt that feeling before? Drowning? You know what I'm talking about? No? 
No, okay. <laughs> no, just me. No, I grew up like. I, so if you're like in a bathtub, it was dangerous one time. I fell asleep. No, like no. If if you've been around water long enough, you've probably experienced something like. I grew up in Florida. Like I probably almost drowned over a hundred times. Uh, I love to surf. Bigger the waves, the better. But I've almost died a bunch. But I remember the first time I felt this feeling in my life. Um, I was seven years old. It was my little brother's birthday party. My little brother was five. And the movie Lion King had just come out. I'm not talking about that new junk. I'm talking about the OG original Lion King animated. Let's go. Yes. So two fans with me. I appreciate you. The rest of you are like, I like both. Um, but Lion King had just came out. And my brother was a huge fan of it. And so he had like a Lion King themed pool party. And so we're all excited. And it came time for gift time. And the first gift was this big box. And he opens up the big box. And it's a giant Simba pool float. And we're like, whoa. And he opens up a few more presents, and he gets another big box, and he opens it up, and it's a second giant Simba pool float. And his older brother, I'm like, dope, one for you, one for me, because I can claim stuff because I'm older. And then he opens up some more presents, and his last present comes out this other big box, and he opens it up, and guess what it is? Some of you are like, Jesus, you said it's always the answer. No, uh, no. Uh, it's another giant Simba pool float. And when you're five and seven years old and you get three giant Simba pool floats, what do you do? You do not return them. You blow them all up and put them in the pool along with other other floaties. And so you got all these like five and seven year olds jumping and swimming and splashing and on all the floaties. And I come up with an idea. As an older brother, I'm going to pick on my younger brother. I am going to push him off of his said Simba. So I come up with a plan. I'm going to jump in the deep end, thrust off the bottom and push him off. So I get up on the diving board, prepare, jump. Get to the bottom of the, the deep end. Now, at this point, I realized I miscalculated something. I forgot I was seven. And as a seven-year-old, I'm only like four foot tall and 80 pounds. And so I proceed to thrust off the bottom of the nine-foot deep end. And by the time I get to the surface, I have lost all necessary momentum to push my brother off said Simba float. So what I thought was going to be this triumphant, like, ah, I got you, ended up just being like a boom, boom. And my brother, at this point, thinks it's a game. So he's trying to stay over me on the float. And I'm just like, boom, boom. And then it hits me. Simba's going to kill me. <laughs> I'm literally like, ah, ah. And so I push from this Simba. And I go to come up. And lo and behold, another Simba. And I'm like, no. And I'm screaming. You know, if you've ever felt like you're drowning, and you're like, no. And you, there's that panic mode. And so I push from that Simba. And I kid you not, another Simba. Me and Mufasa, he killed us both. Not really. It was Scar. And so I was just like, ah! And you know, like, you have the panic, and then you have just the surrender to it. I was like, it's been a good life, God. Seven. I've done all I wanted to do. But I have this last little bit of, like, little bit left. And I remember I find, like, with my toe to the wall, and I push off to the shallow end, and I come up, and I'm like, ah! And my mom's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, go, get, go inside. And she didn't care. Um, and so I was just like gasping for breath. I thought I was going to die. Just, anybody ever felt that before? Like when you come up, you just like, <sighs> what I know is many of us may not have felt that before when it comes to drowning in water, but many of us today may feel like that. <gasps> drowning in debt. <gasps> drowning in emotion and depression, drowning relationally. And it's no coincidence that Peter, when he got distracted by the world, and he lost focus on the word, he starts drowning and he struggles to breathe. Everybody say breathe. breathe. 
Everybody do this for me. Just take a deep breath. Just inhale. Exhale. Hopefully you brush your teeth. There's something about breathing, right? I mean, modern day science and psychology tells us that even our body chemistry immediately changes when we take a deep breath. Your testosterone levels go up. You feel more confident. Joy and peace are byproducts of breathing. And it's funny how God created us to be breathers. To bre- I mean, the Psalms literally say that God breathed the stars into existence. God literally went, universes. He is the star breather. And then if you read the creation story in Genesis 1 and 2, it says God created the heavens and the earth and the animals and all that stuff. And then he gathered some dust together and he made a man out of it. And then what does it say? It says this, this mud, this dust that he makes into a man. It said he breathed his divine breath into man. We came to life. That same breath that made the stars, he breathed into you and me. And there we were, these divine dirt clods living And over and over in Scripture, this idea of breathing is brought up over and over. Like, even in the book of Exodus, like, y'all know the whole story if you've seen Prince of Egypt or the old school Charlton Heston version. Like, when Moses comes to the burning bush and he's freaking out and he's telling God via the burning bush, he goes, who should I say sent me? Like, I can't tell Pharaoh a bush on fire sent me. Like, what's your name? And what does God say? If you read it in Exodus, God says, tell him the Lord sent you. Now, I don't know if you know this, the Old Testament was not written in English, it was written in Hebrew. And if you read it in English, it's actually spelled a little different or actually a little more bold, and it's spelled capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And it's only spelled like this a few times in the Old Testament. It was actually spelled in Hebrew, Y-H-V-H. It's where we get the English word Yahweh from, or Yahweh. But ancient Hebrew rabbis knew that that was not the pronunciation of this word, these Symbols were actually vowels, and rabbis would view this word as literally unpronounceable because it was supposed to sound like the sounds of breathing. (gasps) Moses said, who should I say sent me? And God said, (gasps) when you breathe, that's who sent you. Over and over again, the the Bible says in Psalms, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Why? Because everything that breathes is literally saying the name of God. What happens when a baby is born, right? Comes out of the womb and the doctor, old school, I don't know what they do now, but they used to spank him. They still do that? No, I don't know. We We don't have that yet. We just have a dog. But they like, they spank the baby. Why? So it'll take its first... What if it's less about oxygen and more about saying the name of God? When we pass away, what do we say? They have breathed their last. Maybe it's not about the intake of O2, but rather the ability to say his name. There's something so unique about breathing I mean, all throughout the Bible, it says, Jesus actually said to his disciples, and we know this verse, it says, he goes, my peace I leave with you. But we always leave out the second half. It then says, he breathed the Holy Spirit onto them, and they inhaled the Holy Spirit. Again, the, yo, 
There's something about, even in 2 Timothy, Paul writes to him and he says, Timothy, all scripture is God breathed. Every time you open the Bible, it is God exhaling into your life. It's actually the Greek word theop, theopneustros, which means God exhale. It means divine exhalation. So every time we open this book or open that app, we are not looking at ink on a page. We are literally given the ability to inhale divine breath, to inhale the same power that created the universe and the mountains and the stars and gave man its very life. We are able to inhale divine breath every time. And so it raises the question, what are we breathing? Because what you inhale will be what you exhale. And what I love about Peter in this story is when he was shaken up by the wind and the waves and he felt all the pressure in the world and he had no idea what it was, what he wanted more than anything was the word of God. He said, Jesus, give me your word. Let me inhale and I can walk on that no matter what. And we know this to be true because life will come and it will shake us up. And it always exposes us what we've been inhaling. Because what happens? Like things happen in life and they worry us. They make us afraid. And we're like, God, I can't do this. I'm, I'm so scared. And if you've been inhaling scripture, you'll remember 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. You'll look to God and go, God, I don't understand. I don't know what's happening. And then you'll remember Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Lean not into that understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct thy path, right? You'll be like, God, I can't do this. I'm feeling worried out. I'm not going to make it. And then you remember Isaiah, it says, for those who wait upon the Lord and hope in him will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and not grow faint. We go, God, I'm at church today and I just don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like worshiping. And then we remember Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. We say, God, I can't do this we remember Philippians 4 13 no you can do all things through Christ see there's something that happens when we inhale God's truth when the world shakes us up instead of spewing out anger and bitterness and sadness what comes out is truth we can stand on there's another time in my life when I got to go underwater and it was drastically different. Um, I got to spend a summer on mission in Tanzania, Africa, when I was in college. And uh, I'll never forget at the end of the summer, it was a crazy summer. Um, contracted malaria, got mugged. Yay, Jesus. Uh, it was seriously awesome, though, what we saw God do. But at the end of the summer, we got a chance to travel a little bit. And um, I got to visit the island of Zanzibar. Beautiful island. The Indian Ocean was the bluest ocean I've ever seen. And one night, we're having dinner with this amazing couple we had met there. And long story short, we're just talking about fun things to do. And he was like, oh, I love to scuba dive. This is one of the best places in the world to scuba dive. And I was like, oh, man, I've always wanted to scuba dive. And he goes, oh, dude, I can hook you up. Are you Patty certified? And I was like, no. And he goes, don't worry, it's Africa. And I was like, what does that mean? And, and so he goes, just go to this place the next day. Give them my name. They'll hook you up. So I go to this place the next day. It's this little bitty scuba shack next to the ocean. And I show up and I'm like, hey, so-and-so told me to give you their name. And they're like, oh yeah, we got you. And they sit me down on this little bench and they put on this video in Swahili with English subtitles and it's seven minutes long. And I'm like, what? And I'm looking around and I'm watching it. And they're like, okay, you ready? And I'm like, 
did, yeah. And then they put me in the boat and they strap me up and I'll never forget the guy goes, okay, you do this, you do this, you do this, let's go. And he jumps in the water and I'm like, I'm gonna die. And, and, I, and I jump in the water. I'll never forget, I get under the water with this guy and I have the, the BCD, the regulator in my mouth, and I never forget, I get down, and he can see my bubbles coming up. I'm panicking. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, like if you've ever scuba dive your first time, you're just like, I'm gonna die. I'm not supposed to be here, right? And I'm just, and I'll never forget, he looked back at me, and he goes, and then I watched him. He took his regulator out of his mouth, and he just floated in front of me, and then he held up the regulator, pointed at his tank and then he put it in his mouth and he went <sighs> in other words you have what you need to survive and not just survive but if you will slow down and breathe an environment that should kill you you can actually thrive in because you're breathing the right stuff. And for the next half hour, I saw some of the most beautiful sights I had ever seen. The coral reefs, the fish, and it was all because I was inhaling the right stuff. Dawson, MLC, those may be watching online, when we feel the pressures of life, the one message I wanted to leave you today with as we kick off this series on how to handle pressure First and foremost, I just wanted to ask the question, what are we breathing? What are we breathing? Because what we inhale will be what we exhale. If we feel fear, if we feel depression, if we feel anxiety, those are real feelings and emotions and we're not negating them. But we can stand on the word of God anywhere. Inhaling, we can exhale it. Everybody do me a favor. Will you stand to your feet? And before I pray for you and before we worship one more time, do me a favor. Everybody take a breath. Inhale. Now exhale. Jesus, thank you for the sound of your name. Jesus, thank you that we can breathe. That's a sign of life. It's a sign of your blessing. It's a sign of your provision. God, right now, I just pray over everyone that just took that breath, that they would feel it, that they would feel your presence, that they would know the power. And even today, God, as we open your word, help us to feel the weight of it, the incredible power in it, God. And as we go about our afternoon today, let us exhale truth no matter what we're feeling. As life shakes us up, God, allow us to overflow with your love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. And God, right now, anybody in here that came in and they felt, or maybe they still feel like they're drowning in some way, shape, or form, God, today I pray that just like you reached down for Peter, that they would grab a hold of you today and they would walk with you, inhaling your divine, amazing freedom and truth from this point forward. Jesus, your name is beautiful. There's so many different names that we can sing of, but we thank you that even when we breathe, we say it. 
It's in your name we worship. Amen.